0: And welcome to another special episode of Talking Loyal and tonight we're joined by former professional footballer Rhys Brown. Welcome Rhys.
1: Thank you for having me. Good evening mate, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yourselves? Yeah, all good, all good, all good. You
0: been up too much today?
1: Um, Just
2: been playing a little bit of golf today so uh went out, went to the gym this morning and then um, straight off to golf, bit after bit after the gym. You really good at golf? Uh, I'm okay. I'm all right, to be honest. Um, I I don't actually have a handicap because I'm not a member anywhere. So, uh, it's probably the next the next step that I'm gonna do. But I uh just due to some of my old um well my old agency they have like a uh, a spot every day at Mottram Hall. So I tend to go there every now and again. Oh, pretty much. Well, it's not every now and again. It's pretty much nearly every day. <laughs> yeah, decent. But I'm, I'm a lot of the driving range at the minute.
0: Nice, just trying sorry. to work on a few things to to better myself. Mm-hmm. Perfect, um, like before, I guess we like to do a few quick fire questions, and tonight's no different, so Jack, you want to start us off the first one,
1: yep, um Reese, who did you support when you were growing up, and on that did you have a- f- favorite player from that side
2: uh it's weird one actually i was it was Arsenal growing up until a certain age, and my favorite player was Dennis Burkamp. um nice. and then I think when I got to uh a certain age where I understood that my brother was obviously playing for United, I kind of uh, was a bit of a traitor and switched the press.
0: Um, easy. your favourite holiday destination? Oh, one or two. Either both.
2: Both, uh, LA and Dubai. Nice and quick L's. and easy. Yeah.
1: Um, sorry, yeah, third one, best player you've played with, trained with. Uh Ravel Morrison. By recent. far. Yeah. By far the best. A lot of there yeah, a lot of ex players, players say that about him, don't they? They say the Yeah, yeah. I've had the, I've, was... Yeah. I've
2: had I've had a few. We kind of grew up all the way. I'm pretty sure we'll get into that in a minute. But he was a year younger than me, but we kind of come through the um the whole academy together. Um very, 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 very good player. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um some of the stuff that I used to do was Honestly, I've never seen I've never seen it before in my own eyes. It's a he's had a great career, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. could have, it's not where it should have been. I think, which he knows himself, and I think he wouldn't mind me saying that, to be fair. But you know, great, great footballer. Even to this day, he's still ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I played with some some good players: Pogba, Jack Wilshire, uh, Matty James. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah, good, good players. Liz.
0: Yeah, very
2: yeah. very good players. Yeah.
0: Perfect. And um, speaking of holidays, which four former footballers, or four former teammates, should I say, would you take on your, your lad's trip to make your father's side team?
2: Um, On football, I would go... I'd have to say Danny Welbeck, because he's one of my best mates. Mm. Um, I'd say... oh, Robbie Brady. Yeah, nice. He was yeah. at United. He ended up being at um, Burnley. Um, oh, I was a tough one this. Wells, Robbie Brady. I
1: would go. Oh, wow. You wouldn't, you wouldn't take your brother. <laughs> well, either, either of your brothers. You wouldn't take them. Oh, I'm going to
2: stick it to my youth team. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go Wells. Who's going say next? I can't remember. Robbie Brady. Robbie Brady. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wells, Robbie Brady. I'd say Corey Evans. Yeah.
1: And I will go Baby and Brandy. Decent. Oh, and out of those, play- are you going L. A. You going to Dubai? Where are you Where are you going?
2: Um. I think that's an LA crew. I think if we went to Dubai, we'll probably end up getting arrested as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we'll I think
0: we'll keep it. Uh, we'll
2: go safety first. We We'll go LA.
0: Yeah, decent, very good, <laughs> perfect. Um, now speaking of Danny Welbeck, there's a story that didn't you grow up on the same street opposite each other, and yeah, we we basically wanted to get in your early life. In you were born you were born in Manchester area, with
2: yeah, I was born in Longside, in Manchester. Yeah, mm. so. Growing up life for myself, I had a good upbringing. Um, good upbringing in a in a not-so-nice area, should I say. Um, to me, it is a nice area. It's just home to me, but mm-hmm. for anybody looking from the outside, you probably would say it was a, a rough area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we grew up on the same street, Martfield Avenue, and we actually lived literally facing one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only, I think, I think, when we was about... Well, 13, his house and the row of houses in front got knocked down uh, because what they were doing in the area was they were trying to block off all the alleyways because uh, everyone, as I said, it's not a great area. So mm. there's a lot of motorbikes, naughty naughty boys, yeah, naughty yeah. girls. Everything's going on around there. So, yeah, as I say, his house got knocked down and he kind of made a park um, in front, which was supposedly to be better for the um, for the kids growing up. It's like a little five-a-side pitch on concrete. Um, as well so yeah we we grew up um, on the same street. He's, he's a year older than uh, than I am but we again we kind of um, played Fletcher Moss Rangers which was my mm-hmm. Sunday League team I always yeah. used to play up a year um, with his age group and then of course he went to United then a year later I went to United as well and yeah we come through the whole system together
1: mm. On that you mentioned Fletcher Moss this, I mean we've got the list of like done a bit of homework but I mean, Tate is going to go through some of the names that are on that have been through that club.
0: Yeah, and no, I played probably for your youth team as well. You've got Tyler Blackett, yeah. um, obviously yourself, Zeki Friars, Jesse Lingard, um, Marcus Rashford, a couple, couple of years younger, Danny Warbeck's on there, Danny Webber, Kieran Eastwood, etc. Yeah, it? a long list yeah. of long list of players.
2: A lot, a lot, yeah. So even um, well, when I was, when I was younger, um, I well. I'm not gonna say our age group because I played up, but the age group that I was playing with, we had a, a whole group of players. So there was also Kyle Bartley who left and went to Bolton, ended mm-hmm. up signing for Arsenal. Um currently at West Brom. Um Cameron Stewart, he was another player who came through the ranks at United as well, but he didn't start till a little bit later on at United. He was around under thirteens or under fourteens when he first came in. So now there was a lot of um there was a lot of talent. Mm. Uh, in and around uh, our mm. our age group so but yeah but again Fletcher Moss have, they, they kind of um, built that pathway for for us to you know to be able to move from there and kickstart our careers in a, in a professional yeah. environment
1: That's what I was going to ask was there obviously you played Fletcher Moss and lots of people did but was it the coaches was it just a good environment or were you just lucky with the the group of lads that are in that area just a bit of everything or
2: uh, a lot of streetwise boys mm. um so what I would say, I, would, I would say, don't remember. I think the coaching was the coaching was good. Um, yeah. I think it's changed a lot now from what it was like when we were younger. Which I think the whole world's obviously changed. So yeah, yeah. you know, it's um, well, we can get onto that bit in a bit. But in my opinion, the, the standard for me is it's not great mm-hmm. um, in the grassroots environment at the minute. I would say that's just my personal opinion, and that's no disrespect to anybody else. Um, but no, but I will probably say that the thing with us when we were young, it was uh, and I can only speak for myself. Everything was just football. You know, there was no mm. mobile phones. I didn't have a mobile phone until I was in year ten. Um, Playstations. I didn't have internet in my house till I was in year ten. Mm. So everything was literally just football, football, football. That's all we. That's all we knew. And mm. yeah, so it was it was every day. So again, yeah, it yeah. was a lot of um, you know that you know that 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 street football, which again, you know, if you've got. Plenty of you doing that, you know, you can you can make something out of that in the, in yeah, the long term.
1: Yeah, and on on again similar to your, with a group of lads, but obviously you got two, I think older brothers. Is that right? Both older brothers. Yeah. Were they, when like you saying you're growing up, was it <clears> always football? Obviously because of where's And is it Clive your older brother? <gasps> brother, sorry. Yeah, yeah.
2: Cl- well, Clive Clive was the best player out of out of us all, to tell right. you the truth. Um, to a certain degree, Clive was uh. He was a bit of a naughty boy, should I say? So he yeah. um, he lost his actual. It was when he was at City, Clive, and he got released due to hanging around with the wrong people. And he had an accident on a motorbike where he chopped off his ankle, oh, literally chopped it off. So he ended up um, getting released from there. He still played uh, like Stop Pot County and um, mm-hmm. lower league, like Woodley Sports and and teams like that. But you know, he just never really really kicked on. Uh but no it was pretty much all, all football in uh in, in in my family. Even though my dad um when well, he passed away when I was sixteen, but he used to play cricket, my dad. Right. So I think Did you it's give always it a been a go Um I have gave it it's not really me to tell you the truth. No. <laughs> uh I, I would watch it like uh mm. or whatnot. I could I could I could play it, like I would I enjoy yeah. doing it like when I'm like when when I'm involved, but yeah. I wouldn't say it was something which I was uh I was very good at.
0: Right, fair enough. So with Fletcher Moss, is that like a just a normal Sunday league team, Sunday, like a local team, or is it like a bit higher up an academy level with just sort of United scouts coming there often? Or how how was that set up like down there? Uh,
2: so Fletcher Moss is just a grassroots Sunday league team. Um, so yeah, based in Central Manchester or or South Manchester, should I say um, a place called Mersey Bank? And no, it's just it's just your average grassroots. Uh, environment, so you know you've got the training sessions once once a week, um, and then games games on a weekend. That's that's all it was for us.
1: Yeah, nice. Um, and yeah, so you, obviously you moved on from Fletcher Moss. You're only young that night. Was it nine or ten? I think you moved into United. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I, when I was between, it's, it's changed now. So academy mm. now starts at nine. When I was younger, it was eight. Mm. Um, so between like six well, I'd probably say six and seven because I always used to play a year up. So uh, between six and seven, I was going to the developments between United and, and City. And then at the end mm. of it, I decided I had a choice to make in terms of do I go to Man United or do I go to, to Man City? And yeah, I chose United. I think a, a big part of that obviously was my brother being mm. being in there. Not that I didn't enjoy it or anything mm. like that. And it, that was like my final decision. But from, and I can't remember everything, but yeah, yeah I obviously cool. chose um United um in a way it was, you know, the the, the team that I kind of changed and supported. You no know, brother mm-hmm. was there. Felt comfortable, confident, the players that were in there. I knew a lot of people due to obviously being at Fletcher Moss. So yeah, it was definitely my number my number one pick.
0: Yeah. Did they sign a cluster of players from the all from your age group when you were eight slash nine then? That you said you do players,
2: was there? Yes, well, in, in my actual own age group, there there wasn't many so there was a lad called Justin Pickering who he was at Medlock Rangers there was a lad called Nicky Josie, he was at Medlock Rangers there was a one called Brad Byrne um he was I don't even know where Brad was actually all right well put it in this way in my team there was me and a few others who went to different teams mm-hmm. so it was only I used to play kind of a year a year up so my first year I played a year up with like Danny Welbert, Cameron Stewart, mm-hmm. Kyle Bartley. And then obviously when they get to the ages of, of nine, that's then when they could sign right. at United mm-hmm. at the academy. So yeah, I was sense. still then at the developments, but I always used to then train up with them still at, at the academy. But I was also yeah. still playing for, for Fletcher Moss because you weren't allowed to sign, um, well, not at nine, under eight, sorry, because it was under right. eight when I was younger. So at seven, between six and seven, I was developments. But at seven, I was kind of playing with the year up at United in terms of the academy, just training. <clears throat> and then the year later, then I signed um, in the academy and become the new under eight. Nice.
1: You, when you that moment was happening, you were going to sign for Man United. Obviously, you supported them grew up. It's Manchester United. Was it that feeling, or was you like, ah, oh, it's like Fletcher Moss, just another team. Here we go. I'm gonna, I give it a good go, sort of thing.
2: Uh but if you are to be honest, I can't really remember much to be honest with you, but if I could probably say anything and just knowing what I'm like anyway and being in and around that environment, and I'm sure we can get into a little bit more of that later, but for me, it was probably just normal, if that makes sense, because, you know, for me, I was fortunate obviously to have my brother where, you know, I got an insight to what other people don't see. So maybe, not that I wasn't grateful for it or anything, but maybe I was, I didn't really take it all on board as much as maybe I should have. Because again, mm-hmm. it was just normal. That's normal to me. So I have it all the time. People will say to me like, "Oh, your brother's Wes Brown." And it's like that's just it's, my brother. Do you know what I mean? Problem. I don't. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, yeah problem, I don't see yeah. it as anything big. But I've had that pretty much coming through United. It's not that like, "Wow, look at Wayne Rooney," or "Wow, look at Paul Scholes." Like, that was just normal. That was just like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. Scholes, who was? Are you alright?" That was <laughs> that was literally all yeah. it was. So yes, yeah, so I, I would. I wouldn't say it was anything in terms of like like a big wow for me, just knowing mm-hmm. myself. But maybe as a kid. It yeah, might have been a little bit, it might
0: have been a little bit, um, a little bit different for sure. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: So when you were at United, was it, what were they like with terms of like academical school with your football? Were they up to a certain age that they make sure you've got to get the grades before you can play or is there, is there anything like that? When you turn 16, it's just, just football, you can do what you want.
2: So everything was just football, yeah. So it's something again, which I'm not, I'm not, I am against it and not against it, and I never had to experience it, of course. But I do believe that education is massive. Um, again, I'm sure we can get into it in a bit. But I don't have any GCSEs at all, and that was just due to my own arrogance and ego. Um, but you know, if it wasn't for me playing football for as long as I did and having a career in the game, um, and obviously maybe not going into the coaching side of it, I think that I could be in a bit of a pickle personally. Um, because again I've not got, you know, the education behind me to be able to probably go and get, you know, a not not that wouldn't be a decent job or whatever it would be, but maybe something which, you know, I might have enjoyed maybe a little bit a little bit more. So when I was younger it was um I don't remember much of the primary school bit, but I remember all the high school bit and all the high school bit was we had a mentor in school, um, which was my PE teacher throughout the five years that I was there. And it would always be like reports every month on how we've done um, one thing with me was I got away with everything in school so it was I was never really taught a lesson I think that mm-hmm. didn't really help me in terms of wanting to push myself in school either I thought I could just do what I wanted because obviously I played for Man United and I just thought yeah, that yeah. I was going to go on to be like a Messi or a Ronaldo should we say I was going to be a multi-multi-multi-millionaire where I can just yeah, yeah. sit on my the, on the arse for the rest of my life which obviously never worked in, worked out in that way for me um, but no but I wouldn't say it was it was um, very demanding in terms of like your schoolwork. work um, not that they didn't care because obviously we had reports if we ever were behind yeah. with stuff they would always yeah. bring it up to us and they would say like you know if you don't catch up like you can't you won't come into training but I never remember any of that happening personally yeah. um, and then when I got to I think it was year and I think it was or year 11 um, I actually got asked to go into um, so basically it would be like digs. So I wasn't very good in school, which you can probably get the whole. I was uh, I was quite naughty to be honest. So um, for myself, when I was in year nine, I um, I used to have to well I, I I used to get picked up on a Friday after school from the minibus. I used to have to go into digs and I'd stay in digs over the weekend. And then on Sunday, so we used to have games, uh, training on Saturday and games on a Sunday. So it'd be into digs. I train Saturday morning, back to digs. And then I would stay over again, play the game on the, on the Sunday. Then I was allowed to go home for the, mm-hmm. for the rest of the week. But on the Monday, we used to come out of school anyway uh, at 12 o'clock. And when I got to year 10, it's something that we still do to this day um, at United. And, uh, Basically, it can happen from year seven, so that's 12 years old, if I'm correct. Um, so let's say, for example, don't know if any of you have any kids or anything. It's like your kids go in to live with a, another family. And yeah, yeah. They'll basically go to a school, which is um, set by United. Um, and that's where the, the boys basically, it's like a, a brand new life kind of thing. But it yeah. was something that I didn't really want to do, um, only because... I was comfortable where I was. I think mm. it would have probably benefited me now when I look back, leaving. I can see the the whole idea of it in terms of getting me away from the area where I grew up, maybe some of the friends that I used to chill around with so I could mm. see what they were trying to do, 100%. But it was something that I didn't really feel that I needed to leave for the sake of a year and a half in terms of now going into a new environment, trying to make new friends, trying to fit in, maybe. And obviously, I wasn't a big fan of, of digs, which when I did go full-time at United they only ended up doing a year when we were yeah. all supposed to do two years Now oh, again, I yeah. so was a little bit little bit naughty again didn't really want to stay there I used to just stay <laughs> at home and then come back the next day then it just got to a point where they were like you know what you can you can just go home there. If that's, <laughs> if that's the case but again it's something which killed me throughout my career because I struggled with being away from home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again when I look back now I get what Diggs is for Diggs is to you know give you that like little bit more responsibility and independence. Obviously you've still got kind of like a Digs mum and dad there or a Digs mum and dad and family or whatnot. But you're kind of left to your own decisions a little bit where, you know, mum and dad or your guardian brothers, they can't really hold your hand. So I do understand why why they do it. Um yeah. uh, but 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 yeah, but that was kind of what it was like um growing up there and with that with in terms of like your reports and stuff.
0: Yeah. So at eighteen, you signed your first professional contract. Is that correct at Manchester United?
2: Yeah, well, when I was um, when I was seventeen, I I did get offered a, a a pro contract. But I turned well at sixteen, sorry, but I turned it down. And I turned it down because in the long term, it worked out in my favour. But at the time, it was I thought it was more taking the piss. To be honest with you, on a personal note. So. As a youngster at United, when well, back when I was in the youth team, your first year scholarship was £95 a week. Second year was 115 Now, I remember the first contract, what we spoke about. So it would have been a one-year YTS and it was going to be a three-year professional contract. Mm-hmm. But the one-year YTS, as soon as you turn 17, you start the professional terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and the money-wise was £400, £600 and £800. Which... For me, you've got foreigners coming in on thousands of pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. it was a risk that I was willing to take, gonna mm-hmm. say, in terms of mm-hmm. turning that down. Probably a big risk, to be fair, because they could have turned around and told me to fuck
1: off.
2: Mm, <laughs> <definitely>, <laughs> yeah. Turning that down, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as I say now, I took the two-year YTS. You're right there, yeah, I did sign when I was 18 was my first um, professional contract at, at United. Um, but it did, as I say, work out in my favour because... I started playing for England and um I was doing well from my, my first year to where it was Gary Neville who actually helped me with my, uh, with my first professional contract and he split me up because he went into the gaffer's office and put his feet on his put, well, put both his feet on his desk and he was on his phone and I was thinking like you're killing me I
1: was going say did you it. have a did you have an agent or whatever? obviously like you said, you had Gary, obviously Gary never helping yeah. you out?
2: Well I had a, I had had a few agents growing up. Um yeah. I used to use my brother's first agent. Um didn't that really, not, not I like never done anything for me, but it was more his agent and it got to a point where I felt like I needed to do my own thing. So
3: yeah.
2: I signed with another agent, I won't say his name. I hope you can see this with his <laughs> dickhead. But uh <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he was all all over me when I was at United. All over me when I left. and went to Watford. When I went to mm. Barnsley, quite similar. And then I started to see the yeah, the uh, the distance yeah. the distance from him. And then I, mm. when I stopped for at, uh Barnsley, which we can get into in a bit, I went back to United and started training for a bit. And then he wants to get back in touch with me because you know they're all generated yeah. to one thing and it's it's yeah, money. So um, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. No, I don't hate the guy or anything like that. It's just one of them where it's uh. It just you didn't, probably learned as you grew as time went on, and, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then after that, um, Danny Welbeck's brother, um, Chris, uh, and also Wayne as well. They're both mm-hmm. both agents. They um, they both helped me from that 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 point
1: forward. Yeah, nice, nice, and yeah. So you signed that again. That moment made me remember it more. But when you're 18, signed your professional contract with your boyhood club. Was then you like right? I'm going to kick on and this is my moment to to get into the side or yeah carry on your career I suppose. Um yeah I think
2: it's going to sound funny when I say this, but when I was in that environment, and it's not just me this because I know this happens there, uh, and mm. you you might understand it a little bit when I explain it in terms of what you see, maybe not knowing the kids in these environments. This is this won't be just United. Day. I think this will be all your big clubs. Now it gets to a point where, so for example. At, 16 years old I I think for myself if I was playing at like a Crystal Palace or if I was playing at like a Stockport County or Roxdale or an Oldham I think that my career would have been different in terms of mm. like you said there like your professional contracts and where you would have played I think I could have been playing first team football mm. uh, I only say that because when I started playing England you know you've got players which I would play over and it doesn't mean just because you're playing over them that you would do what they're doing it's no disrespect to them boys either but for example, Nathaniel Klein, and what a career he's had. You know, he's still mm. playing in the Premier League now, but you know, when we was younger, I'd, I'd play over him mm. um, at England. And you, if you look at him, he would be at Crystal Palace playing week in, week out in the Championship with nearly 100 appearances mm. at 19. I've not yeah. got one. So he mm. got to a point for me where I just felt like if you look at the squad, it was it was difficult. I was in there as the a centre-half. It was only when I went to the reserves that I started playing holding midfields, and the gaffer really liked me in that position, which I had a mm. really good conversation with him when I signed my contract after that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there was Wes, there was Rio, there's Vidic, there's Gaznev, there's Evra, mm. Craig Kafka, Danny Simpson, Johnny Evans, Richard DeLat. You know, the list, well, yeah. James Chester, you No, know, the list goes on and on and mm. on. And yeah. when you look at it, it's like, no matter how well I play, I ain't getting into that first team. Yeah. So it gets mm-hmm. to a point where again, like I you know the mental side of it. I say it now to the boys that I coach and um, in my environments, and I've done it in my in my other environments when I was coaching at United for for, for the four years, and then I went and I left and went to Morecambe. But for me, to, you've got to maintain that high level of performance, and
3: mm.
2: you've got to be as fit as possible, as strong as possible. But the main one for me is the mental side. It's as mentally strong as possible because football's just a game of emotions. Mm. So I'll be honest, I don't blame anybody. I blame myself. I don't believe that when I was in them environments that I used them environments to my best benefits. Um, I was more comfortable that I was in there. I was mm. more relying on um, my talent than trying to push myself. As I said, I was mm. a quite big boy anyway, so I never really tended to have to do gym. I could get mm. by due to the my weight and my physical attributes. I could I could do it that way. Mm. Um, a very good example would be like a Mike Keane Mike Keane you know at 16, 17 he wasn't not that he wasn't wanted but he was offered like a, a part-time scholarship where he went more to college mm-hmm. I know if you go and look at the career that he had and one thing I can say about Keane is every day I could see him going like this every mm-hmm. day and I could see him slowly creeping up to me mm-hmm. still didn't hit me still didn't yeah, hit yeah. me It was just like yeah. ah no it's alright He's he's the one who he only trains once a week. Do you know what I mean? He only trains twice a week. Same thing with Tom Cleverley. Um, obviously, he was a couple of years older than me, but Tom Cleverley actually didn't even get a contract. Mm. And because he maintained coming into training still, they ended up giving him a, a part-time one to where mm. he was on kind of like the same thing as as, um, as Mike Keane. But, but yeah, I, I'll be honest. I think in them environments, it gets to a point where you get, I'm not going to say bored, but, you know, you're no, 18 years old. So, you for me, if you're not touching the first team in and around 18, and when I say touching, I don't mean playing week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Like some places, if you look at your lower leagues, you've got kids playing at 16, 17. Mm-hmm. But like when you're in them big environments, you know, you've got to start having a good think about what your next move is going to be. Or, yeah. you know, do I do I want to be here till, till 25, 26? I'm not saying that that would happen. I'm pretty sure that you would get released before that. But, um yeah, I I just didn't see anything happen happening for me there. So again, it's not that I was ungrateful for it or anything like that. It just gets to a point where you can get quite bored of the same stuff. So you feel like a mannequin. That's what yeah. I, that's what I felt like. I just felt like a, a mannequin for the first team. You know,
1: yeah.
2: Sometimes we were allowed days off because we had to come in for the first team.
1: Right, and training. Yeah, because um, you're talking about the the first thing at the time, and like I've got it here, but. I think from 2000 2009, United won the Premier League five times, FA Cup once, Champions League once, League Cup once. Like, and yeah, you're 18, just signed your professional contract 2008 two thousand nine, and Like you said, you've got to get past Vidic, Ferdinand and whoever else. Is, yeah. yeah, it must it be is incredible. Di- Honestly,
2: it's, it's difficult. The good thing is that you've got some unbelievable players there in terms of like you know using them as mentors and mm. speaking to them. I never really used many people. All I used to get was you don't understand how much talent that you've got. But mm-hmm. I, I know now when I look back, I, I, had everything to go and take the game to where I wanted to take it to. But I just never wanted to really push and kick on. And that's not saying that I didn't have a good career, because I, I still had a good, a good career mm-hmm. in, um, in the game of football, playing over a hundred games. So for me, it's, it's not. I don't, I don't like regret anything. Mm-hmm. I've, I've enjoyed the whole, my whole time. But this is what I think. Like my new kind of purpose of life is now. It's. Now, that upbringing that I've had, that's what any of these kids out there will dream for. So, you know, now it's time for me now to give back and to try and do it, obviously in my own way, in terms of everything that I've I've learned throughout my throughout my um, career. But no, but it, it is difficult getting into, you know, a Man United or a Man City, and you can see that when you when we're watching, you know, the day to day stuff, and you can see like the uh, the transfers. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, because there's there's some unbelievable. Um, well. I'm not going to say unbelievable. I'm pretty sure there is some unbelievable, but there's, there's a lot of talented young players in these environments. Yeah. But it goes to show when you're one of the big clubs, yeah, you, you have a lot of whoever you need. No. Buy.
1: Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So that's why sometimes though I do think to myself, you know, what if I did start at a Rochdale or an Oldham, yeah. or yeah. you know, and, and at the same time you have to think of it as, but if you was at an Oldham, would you have developed as much as you developed if you was at Man United? So yeah. Yeah. as I say, I don't look back, and I don't. And I look back, but I don't like it. as I said, I don't yeah, regret anything or anything like that. It was just it was just a difficult period. I, I genuinely believe if I was put back in the youth team now and you could take me to be in a sixteen year old now, I, I don't feel like I would have a problem getting into that man United first team mm-hmm. in terms of my the ability that I had, and again, if I'd done things properly in terms of you know the gym stuff, lived the right mm-hmm. way, you know, ate the right stuff and took things, took things serious. i I genuinely think that I, I would have a chance of getting into. That team now, yeah, 100%.
0: How much different is it between playing, like it's said, top level, under-21, under-20 football? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, sorry. Uh, um, playing under-21, twenty, under under-20 football for Main United compared to then going into Football League and have you had a, if, like one of your loan spells, for example, in League One or in the Championship? Is it just it completely different kettle of fish?
2: Um, yeah, and before I say anything, I'm going to say Wikipedia lies, by the way. I played more games than that tells.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, so I was we always, went, I always I always
2: f- we went deeper than Wikipedia.
1: That. Don't worry.
2: <laughs> I fumed about that loads, but yeah, but um, no, with uh, with like the youth, the youth football. So like youth team football for me, it depends like what level you're at. So again, if you're at like your cat one level, your bigger clubs and you're playing against you know the cat ones, the United, the Cities, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham's so, You know, it's a good standard of football. It's quick. Mm. Um, you know you don't get too long on the ball. Quite similar to what you would probably see in like your league one football and stuff like that. You know, as mm-hmm. I said, the, the higher it goes, the quicker the game gets, but the more mm-hmm. time you have in the ball, it's more like mm-hmm. you're positioning because you know, one slight uh, mistake, you know, you can yeah, be punished with, with some of the players mm-hmm. playing at the highest level. So um, I'd probably say like the difference for me was one thing I always noticed was I trained better when I trained with the first team than when I trained with the youth team or the reserves. And I think a lot of that was down to the standard of player. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you go and fizz a ball into Michael Carrick or into Paul Scholes and it's above the waist, they'll just put the foot out and bring that ball down and Mm -hmm. that will make your pass look like you've done something special to where it's like, oh, shit, that was... If he didn't touch that, that would have been in the corner flag, do you know what I
3: mean? So
2: you used to get away with a a lot more because, again, you're playing with better players to where in the academy and it was nothing against any of our players, but mm. you obviously haven't got that standard mm. of mm-hmm. of players and that standard of players as a as a whole. It's not like there's two or three of them, you know. Yeah, it's the yeah. whole the whole group. So yeah. it's constant um, moving all the time. Obviously, I've never played in the Premier League. I've sat on the bench uh, in all competitions for United uh, for the first team, but never managed to get on. I was actually going to come on against Leeds, which I was devastated. But Michael Owen got cramped, so he brought Lionel Cola. Oh. Uh, so I was gutted about that. Uh, but obviously it happens.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um so yes, I'd say for me, I'd probably say the standard was different. It was a lot different in international football. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't as quick, not as demanding. You probably see it on the T V, especially at young age. You know, we play against like the Spanish, you know, you you touch them a little bit, they're rolling around the floor, you see mm-hmm. it with Neymar and mm-hmm. things like that on a on a weekly basis. Um, which I think is quite pathetic, to be honest with you. Mm. But then it's funny when they do it to you and you're rolling around and they yeah, want to pull yeah, you up. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah it's, just, it's quite annoying. So i definitely say club football was definitely definitely quicker. Um, And I'd say kind of... the. It sounds weird when I say I've never played the Premier League, so I couldn't tell you because I've not been on mm. the pitch and I've not been involved in it. But mm. from what I can see, I'd probably say your, your football leagues are more kind of like this.
1: Yeah, term, they are, you know, you're know. right though, because every mm-hmm. you go lower down even to non league level the it's all right, the players not might not be technically as good, but it's intense and everyone you have very you have intense, zero yeah. time, yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I probably say like, you know, the league I've a I played League I'm a, ooh, one minute. My i probably say League One. I played a lot of games League One. Mm. The the intensity of League One is is quite it's quite high. To be fair, mm-hmm. and as I always said, there just in terms of someone being in your face, you know, you've got yeah. to paint them pictures before the ball comes in because if not, you've not got time to take a touch and then think what you want to do. Someone will just come and come and clatter you. So yeah, yeah, I'd probably say like yeah, the club football is definitely more intense than the international. But at the same time, when you go international, it's a good experience because now you're playing with the so-called all best players of that age. Yeah. In and around England or mm. wherever they play, you know, some of them could be Real Madrid, Barcelona. You know, if they're English and they're playing with you, you're getting kind of that kind of in, um, intake. And that's where I saw a lot of uh, Jack Wiltshire
4: mm-hmm.
2: was um, when was at England, because I played against him when it was United v Arsenal. Uh, we were actually the first team to play at the Emirates when it first got built. Right. And he was a joke in that game. Mm-hmm. Right, ridiculous. But like you're looking mm-hmm. at him, you thinking, you oh, know, how's this small kid? Or well, small mm. boys doing this stuff and dictating play so much, but unbelievable. And it goes to show again the the heights and, and the levels that he took his career to. And you could see that at 16,
0: 17. Yeah. Go um, and He played with some special players um, in that under 21 I side. Like you played with Pogba, Lingard, Michael Keane, Robbie Brady, Josh King. Um, with the sort of touching the pog with him was that sort of similar to? Do you think he got a bit fed up with looking at that team and seeing skulls? Um, Carrick and all these great centre midfielders in there, and he couldn't see an avenue to get in there. Did they not really give um, players a chance too much there, or was that just because the standard was too high?
2: I'll be honest with you. I think it's because there was there's a lot of players, mm-hmm. there's a hell of a lot of players. I, there's, there's some players that we've not even mentioned. So I think the problem, and I don't know the whole ins and outs of it. And I've had I've had a chat with him about it when I've when I was in United and I was coaching about you know how he ended up kind of leaving and stuff and. What he told me, it was, um, well, I think it's kind of out there, to be fair. I think in one of the games, he said it on his podcast, I think, yeah. all that Amazon mm-hmm. thing he does. Yeah, yeah. I think it was something about he played a defender in midfield when he could have played and he didn't play. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of showing like disrespect or or something like that towards him. I don't know. I, again, who, who am I to say anything about to Alex Ferguson? You know, the best, yeah, best, yeah, cool. best, so best manager in the world, so I'm not yeah. disrespecting or sitting there saying, I'm right or this happened mm-hmm. or anything like that I, I don't know but again he, me playing with him he was a he was a very very good player um, mm-hmm. I think if he would have stayed at United from the start I think he would have got a chance he might have just had to wait that little bit longer but I think he wanted to play right now mm-hmm. which again fair play to him he went away and, and he did that at, um, at Juventus so you know that was obviously a decision that he made in his um, in his young career Um and he probably yeah it definitely benefited him didn't it because he yeah
1: you know he
2: turned himself into one of the best one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Not saying that he couldn't have done that at United. I think it was just more being a little bit more patient. I think mm-hmm. and obviously mm-hmm. like you know as a player like when like I said to you there like I felt like a mannequin. Mm-hmm. So you know for someone like him I'll be honest he was a better player than I was. Mm-hmm. So for someone like him knowing that he 100% can play in that team and he did he did play games and he got he got minutes and. That opportunity to go and so showcase what he can do. You know he obviously wants more of it, and he wants it. He wants it now. So mm-hmm. I just say I, I just see it as that's a decision that that he made. Obviously, I don't know the whole ins and outs. So as I said, I just I've heard it from him in terms of that. What I just said to you mm-hmm. with a defender playing in midfield, I think Rafael or Fabio played
4: centre mm-hmm.
2: midfield mm-hmm. in one of the games against Bolton or something like that, and he was sat on the bench. But again, I don't know the whole um, the whole ins and outs. But very, very, very good player. Yeah. Yeah, from 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 day one when he came in at the youth team.
0: Yeah, we watched a few of his um, youth team goals back the other day, and you can you can see. I think he scores one. I Don't know who he's against, but it's identical to the one he scores in the World Cup. Yeah, against, if I'm correct, it was against. I think it was against Wolves that, and he's mm, bent yeah. it. does exactly the
2: same technique and it's just just a joke yeah he was um, he was good from from young but he's always had that professional attitude I see it a lot with the foreign players Um, I see it like I don't know I've heard it a lot as well I think because English players take things for granted a little bit too much so you know just in my me speaking about myself it was a lot of partying and stuff Mm. so where you know you don't tend to see the foreign players. I think Cristiano Ronaldo said something about when he was at Real Madrid, he said that's the difference between the young players um, in Spain to the young players in England. And it was something in terms of the young players in England want to go out and party every week. Mm
1: -hmm. But the
2: Spanish players, they're in every single day. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And that was... Different culture, um,
1: isn't it? Different lifestyle.
0: Yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. 100%. Um, you had a number of loans at, while you are at United, and then moving on to what, what was that your first permanent move away from the club? Was that
2: yeah? So I've had, I've had, I've had, I've, well, I've got more clubs than Tiger Woods, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. now, um, uh, my loans, some of my loans were good. I think the best loan that I had was Oldham, and I probably should have stayed there. Paul Dickoff was the manager, very good with me. Um, mm. he treated me with with he had a lot of respect for me. Mm. Um, I, at the start, I didn't understand it all. And this is, again, kind quite, quite similar to what I was going back to before. So I think my first loan, I went to Bradford when I was like eight, 17, I think it was 18, 17 or 18. And we didn't have a reserve game for a month. So we all got sent out on loan mm. just for a month. So we used to do, I don't think they do it anymore, but it was a youth loan. Mm. And it was basically any of the professional teams could bring in, I think, like two or three players on a youth loan at any point of the season, if needed, if, like, injuries or anything like mm-hmm. that happened. So me and Ollie Gill, um, who was the son of David Gill, mm-hmm. um, at Man United, German, uh, we got sent to Bradford. And I'll be honest with you, I was buzzing because, obviously, I'm more looking at the the stadium.
4: And yeah, it was yeah. like,
2: wow, because, it's obviously, it's Premier League facility yeah. in terms of the, the stadium. So I was buzzing about that. But it was a complete shock to me. Yeah, yeah from what I'm used to. So, I struggled again, like you said, there at a young age with the standard of play. Um, I was a centre-half, so it was a bit difficult for me coming up against some big boys like your Tom mm-hmm. Popes and Leon Clarks, players like that. Um, I wasn't mentally ready for any of that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, when I went to Bradford, I was only it was only I think I played like two or three games, I think it was, it were not mm-hmm. anything big because it was only a month uh, the manager was Peter Taylor, old England manager. Um, so again, it was good to kind of work underneath him. But I was I wasn't built for I weren't ready for it in terms of like I didn't feel like it was.
1: I, I don't it, know. That you said you to step up your. Seventeen, eighteen, yeah. 18 and you've got to yeah. go straight into men's football basically. Yeah,
2: yeah. And that's what I was saying to you, like, before, like when we used yeah. to go away with England, it was different because now we're a group of very good players mm-hmm. and that that's no disrespect to anyone who was at Bradford or anything but again, it was a new, there was players in United who were better mm-hmm. than the players at Bradford and I weren't used mm-hmm. to playing with that where I felt like it was a lot of pressure as well because obviously I was coming from United but I, I never really had that mindset of pressure, if that makes sense, even though mm-hmm. it was it when I look back now, it, it was pressure. So the fans, they're on your case quick. I'm not used yeah. to anything like that. I'm not used mm. to, you know, hearing your own fan you for making a mistake, which now mm. I understand it because it's like, this is their club, you know, they're in mm. League One. It's like, you know, we need to win every game. I weren't used to that. Yeah. We have to win every game. I'm just mm. used to rocking up, playing at, you know, them. Uh, um, and then... Going about my business going on, yeah go yeah. back to training next day. Don't get me wrong, we were. We, I've always had winning mentality, and we've always had winning mentality. But the thing with us was, it was it was different, and it was it was easy mm. because we had a very 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 strong team. Yeah,
4: cool.
2: so you know when you kind of move down there, it's you've got to be ready to take that step. And I I just don't feel like I was I was ready for. It. I've had like the training with i was trained with the first team at United and stuff like that. But it's a complete different ball game when you start going into into real life match situations yeah. Yeah. and I wasn't I wasn't um, ready for it at all and then yeah Watford was my first move so what happened with that one was I did get offered a contract at United um, and I had a chat with with the gaffer about it and he just basically said to me I was I would have been 20 ooh, I think it was 20 going 21 or 21 going 22 one of them mm. and he basically just said like look uh, i You've done well this year. We'll offer you another contract. Um, but also have a little look what's on table in terms of different kind of money for you, which mm. I weren't getting any more money. Uh, I was getting I was getting more, but it wasn't anything like what mm. some of the other clubs were throwing at you. Um and again he just told me that I wouldn't be going on the the first team tour and that kind of settled it a little bit for me in terms of not that I'm not wanted, but you're not wanted, really. Because yeah, yeah. at 20 years old, 21 years old, if you're not going on the first team tour, you've got to start considering your your options for me. And I I put that down to now in and around like you you're 19 to 20 years old in environments. You know you've got to kickstart your career at some point. You know everyone's got certain points where they'll they'll excel and they'll they're ready for it. But I genuinely believe that at, you know at 19 years old, you know, you've got to be getting that first team air. Uh, experience so yeah so the decision was I had a few clubs Um, I think my last loan was Ipswich I'll be honest with you I hated every single minute of it I don't know if you've read the unscripted piece that I've done
1: I've read some bits Um, but yeah yeah so I've
2: done i done a bit for it was Summit for for United for the website Mm -hmm. and basically what happened was I think it was more of a well it was a loan but I think it was a trial at the same time Mm. how I saw it um and it's a funny story it's uh basically i went down there they were fighting relegation i had this ego of like i've always had from being young growing up that i play for man united and i'm not playing why am i not playing um I, I didn't like it down there and i think i just didn't like it because i was mentally weak so what i tended to do was if i wasn't playing it would then leave me thinking okay well i'll get you back and i'd like go out and I weren't doing the right stuff what I needed to do yeah. to get into the team if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. As a young lad yeah. I thought you know, going to McDonald's and bringing it into the training ground and eating it at the can team was going to piss off the coach but if anything yeah, that's yeah. making life easier for him in terms of telling me why I'm not playing. So, Yeah, um, yeah so down there Mick McCarthy was very good with me to be fair. Um, him and Terry Connor very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mick's a very, very, very good coach. Um, he managed me very well. weren't too nice on me and there was a situation when we uh, we all got told that we've got a couple of days off and it was the PFA award so we all went down as a team around 12 o'clock 1 o'clock we all got a message saying be in training tomorrow at that point for me it was too late so Mm. I ended up missing training the next day and got in a bit of trouble for it he phoned the Mm. gaffer in front of me and his words were don't worry I'll find the
1: Mm. B word
2: yeah. yeah, well, I won't say that on air. So, yeah, he wasn't <laughs> nice. He he managed me in the right manner, 100%, because he knew what I was like. Yeah. And then it was the last game of the season. I was supposed to start against Burnley um, away. And because of what happened, he never started me. And I was in the, I was in the stands. And straight after the game, he said, right, get your agent to call me tomorrow and let's get this contract sorted out. What, I want keep you here for three years. And straight away, my reaction was not a chance just due to <laughs> what's happened over the last couple of months that I was there. Yeah. Um. Later on, what I've come to realise now is, and I've spoke to Eddie Howe about all of this because uh, he's a player that, from what I've, well, from what he's told me that he's, uh, he's always liked me as a player, but I've just never took that next step for him to be able to sign me, if that makes sense. Um, so he said that he's always watched me from a young age at United in terms of how he likes to play football. I was a footballing um, centre half, so it was a tick box for him. Um, just the loans that I went on, it never worked. Uh. I never kind of went out of League One in terms of my loans and playing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, when I went to the Championship, it was more like coming on and never really secured um, a spot. But again, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, so basically what the whole point of me going to Ipswich would have been was it was for me to go down there to play a season for him to sign me at Bournemouth. Right. And I think the way it worked was, don't tell him that because if someone told me that, of course I'd be saying, "Where's the pen and paper? Let's yeah, do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was to show that I was committed to to go to Ipswich. And if you look at what happened, it's funny because it was Tyrell Mings that ended up mm. going to mm-hmm. Bournemouth, and obviously I uh, I missed out on it. But yeah, that was just a decision I made. I went to Watford, very good at the start. Um, Zola was the manager; he brought me in. Mm. I enjoyed it. Um, I think it was two or three games into the season I was on the bench I went in with a bit of a different mentality because I had Troy Dini as well uh, to help me like a mentor and um, yeah I never got too big for my boots because he would always make sure he kept me grounded
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, obviously the captain of the club probably well, yeah definitely the, the highest paid player at the club you sure mm-hmm. and that was a lot of money in the championship um, so yeah no, I had a lot of respect for him and after two or three games, Joel Ekstrand, um, a Swedish inter- first-team international, he got injured. I come on at half-time at Reading, away. Ended up getting man of the match the game after I was sat in the stand. And in my head, I was just like, right, do not do what you normally do. I tried my best not to do it. And it mm-hmm. was. I just kind of felt myself slowly starting to get annoyed. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to understand, like, in that team, you know, you've got Mark- Marco Cassetti. Who was mm-hmm. part of the? Well, he was the right back in the United Roma game. Was it five seven one? Yeah, seven one, yeah, seven, yeah, seven one at Old Trafford. He was the right back playing for Roma. Yeah, uh, yeah. So who am I? You know, this young lad who's just been, who's well, who's come on a free contract from United. Because uh, what the gaffer done for me was, he said to me, if I do want to go to um one of these other clubs and I don't take up on the other year contract, he said that he'll put it down as I've been released. And mm-hmm. doing that, I the the clubs don't have to buy me because they would have to pay compensation for me
4: mm-hmm.
2: so he was nice to me in that sense to where obviously I generated and well not generated but I got I got more money from from doing it so he looked after me in in that situation um which you know that's you know the respect levels for that is that it goes a long way that stuff for me yeah, he cool. he didn't have to do that at all yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah um I played in, I played a couple of games after but again the the team mm-hmm. was it was a good team and, you know, I can't complain. I've got a fight to get in. And I was, again, I was young. Just before Zona left, I had a conversation with the chairman and the owner, and they were massive fans of me as well, to be fair. Mm. But I just couldn't, I couldn't focus and, you know, like believe in
1: yeah.
2: what they what they were saying, because sometimes it's just word of mouth for me. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're telling me something that it's actions, but what they were saying was, it was basically don't worry, you know, in, Year, well, in at the end of this season, next season, basically, you'll be playing in the Premier League at Old Trafford. I promise mm-hmm. you. I promise you. Obviously, that year, we never went up. The year after, that was then when it was just getting a bit too much for me and new manager come in when Zola left. It was an Italian guy. Couldn't speak mm-hmm. a word of English. And he kind of just threw all the young English players to the side. So yeah. we were kind of just training on our own. Um, I was homesick. As I said to you before, I wasn't used to I'm not good yeah. at being away from home. Well, I wasn't good at being away from mm-hmm. home. I'm fine now, obviously, but back then I wasn't good with it. And I think that goes back down to like the digs conversation. Yeah. I didn't yeah. do, mm-hmm. do digs properly. Um, and so, yeah, so I just wanted to go back home. So it was a few, they wanted me to go and loan to Stevenage. I wanted to come close to Manchester. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, I spoke to my agent and he basically just said like, let me have a little look around and he got back to me in a couple of hours and said like Carlisle will take you today mm-hmm. so I was just like you know what let's do it so
1: mm-hmm.
2: I just looked at it in terms of I'll be honest I didn't even know where Carlisle was but mm-hmm. when I went on Google Maps I saw it was close to Newcastle
1: Yeah, obviously that's where mm-hmm.
2: but that's where Wes was, Wes was in. Yeah. Yeah. he was obviously in Newcastle because he was at Sunderland so for me I looked at it and it was 40 minutes to get there so I just said like yeah let's just Let's just do that. You know, as long as I'm close to someone family related or close to home, like it's it's fine with me. So yeah, I went to Carlisle, mm-hmm. it was good. They were fighting relegation battle. Um it didn't end too well. But yeah, then that season obviously I went back to Watford and then the following year I ended up um getting a pay up from them mm-hmm. because it was it was me that wanted to leave and mm-hmm. you know, fair play to them in all no fairness. They should have just told me to F off but you know they ended up being nice to me and gave me a pay up and then I basically um, I got bought well not bought I went to uh, Barnsley mm-hmm.
4: um,
2: after that the whole point of me going to Barnsley the conversation with the manager and stuff Danny Wilson uh, he was a he was a good guy towards me as well it was we're bringing you here for one thing from what you probably know Barnsley were are a feeder club so mm-hmm. they don't tend to want to keep players for a long period of time obviously there is players in there who have been there for a period of time, long period of yeah. time but they will rather keep you and get rid of you and make money yeah. from it which is fair enough and they've got a great setup by the way very yeah. very very good setup and a good um, academy setup uh, so yeah I went in there I was playing all the games throughout pre-season um, started the season well and then obviously there was two young boys Mason Holgate and a mm-hmm. lad called James Bree, and it got to a point where Managers pulled me in and said, like, unfortunately, you know, I'm sorry to say this to you, you've, you've done well, you've been playing in all the games, but we're not. I can't guarantee you much game time. And mm-hmm. Obviously, I asked the reasons why. It was a business reason. You know, There's Premier League teams that are interested in two young lads, we're going to have to mm-hmm. pay, play them to get the value up. So it was understandable, so I ended up getting a pay up from them and then I kind of didn't have a club then for... I think around six, seven months. And I got a mm-hmm. phone call from my old manager, best manager I've ever had in my footballing career, uh, Warren Joyce.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: he's always kept in touch with me throughout. from when I've left United, him and Paul McGuinness, mm-hmm. uh, he got in touch with me and said, like, what are you doing? I said, nothing much. At this point, I put on loads of weight. I was definitely depressed. I was going out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, you obviously, you don't know you're depressed until you kind of come out of it. Mm-hmm. That's the only um, advice that I can give on that one. Uh, so yeah so I was like 18 stone so you know there was a lot Big, of work the old boy them. yeah I, know I was massive I'm not going to lie to you massive <laughs> so yeah I went back in there I was training in there to the end of the season you know he got me in a couple of like friendly games and stuff like that behind closed door games which I played in and then he sorted out for me to go to but I listened to his his advice because funny because when I was in United reserves he said to me you're going to either do this the easy way or you're going to do it the hard way Because he could see he he he's a master, he's a master Mm. in in football, one hundred percent. And he's seen probably loads of me before. And um he basically said to me that you're gonna do it the easy way, do it the hard way. He went, but that choice is yours. And I just laughed him. Honestly, literally just laughed him. Mm. And when I went back to United, he helped me get back into it. Um I got back fit, I ended up signing for Berry. Um I signed a six-month deal there. And then after the six months, I got myself into the team. I signed a rubbish contract because I had to sign it. Um, there weren't really many places that were going to take me. At that point, I was probably about, what, 23 going 24. Mm. And, um, yeah, I got into the team, ended up securing a decent contract to the end of the season. And then two days after I signed my second six months, they offered me a three-year deal. So at that point, Mm. that's then when it was like mind game. So for me, that means that somebody's interested in buying me, 100%. The money, what they were doing and trying to throw at me, I didn't like it. So I just said like, no. But again, I still had that mindset of Mm. Man United. So the money, what was getting thrown, I'll tell you the money. The money was, so the the three years, it was a three-year contract. It Mm. was 2,600, 2,800 and 3,000 pounds. Mm. over the three years and it would change every year. I didn't see it as that I saw it as you're taking the piss and trying to say that I'm, you know, worth, you know, six six hundred pounds. That's how I saw it in terms of there's not much difference. But what you don't understand is this is League One. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know what I mean? This is you're saying you're still in that Man United mindset basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's all I've been I'm That's all, that, that's all that's been
2: cemented to my, to my head is that you know when you're in an environment you're in an environment to get into that first team. That's all yeah. I knew was Man United, and I found it difficult when I left to understand that you're not a United player anymore. It was still yeah. cemented because when you've had that from a kid, you know, if, if you think about it, five years old being in that development all the way through to 21, that's a long time. That's a lot yeah. of information that's been cemented into my head, yeah. which and I, I needed to get rid of that
1: bad habit of what I had. Yeah, and, and then, like you said, me, you, it was and your your brothers have grown up. Fly, a very good player. Wes obviously had a career you had. So, you, like you said, your your whole life, whether even if you didn't want to be involved in football, you're you're surrounded by probably yeah. most and the highest mm-hmm. professionals. So,
2: yeah, I think I think a lot of it as well is because well, if you look at uh, Wes's career, it's um it's always been at the high highest level. So you know, imagine you being little brother and you see in everything what he has and what all these other Mm. footballers have got, or if you go around to like Wayne Rooney's house, for example, Mm. you know, you you have that mindset of, I play for United the same way he plays for United. But what you don't realise is, you play for Man United's youth team, you play Mm -hmm. for Man United's reserves, you know what I mean? You don't play for Man United. And for me, I've never classed, and I do this for myself, like I've never classed anyone until, until you play a full season of football, and you've got Mm. to, You've got to play half of them games. You've got to mm-hmm. contribute to be a first team a first team member one hundred percent. You can still be a member, but yeah. you no, know, if you class yourself as I'm a man united player, you've got to be playing week in, week out, you've got to be playing games. Yeah. And obviously yeah. at that young age, that's all that's all I um I kind of knew. So yeah, like I I struggled struggled with it. Obviously, the berry thing, as I say, I didn't. I didn't take the contracts. Um, manager was brilliant with me there. By the way, Dave, David Flickcroft, very good guy. Still speak to him to this day. Um, you know he was very hardcore on me, but he was kind of like my dad, if that mm. makes sense. He um he knew me inside out in such a short period of time, which was very good. He would always take his time out to speak to you. His problem with me was he would ring me every night because he thought I was out on the piss. So he was, where are you? Like answer, answer your FaceTime. I'm I'm yeah. in bed. And answer your FaceTime. Like like, like a psycho doing.
0: girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, like, who's
2: it, who's in the room with you? Who's in the room? I'm like no, I'm like no, no one's here. I'm on my own. he's like right? Go to sleep. Go to sleep make, make sure you go. I don't want to see your online status mm. on it on um on WhatsApp or anything like that. I'm like I'm not. I'm going to sleep. So yeah, now he was he was really good. A, a little bit on top, but probably what I needed to be a, to be fair to you. I probably needed um. Mm. That kind of arm arm around me, to be fair. Um, mm. But yeah, as I say, at the end of that season, come, um, I ended up um, not having a club for a while. But then uh, I signed for Sheffield United. So, yeah. as I say, I played a lot of games that that year. I played. I thought I played quite well. Um, I got I got that move to Sheffield United, and then yeah, the Sheffield United one was it was one that I couldn't turn down. To be fair, in terms of you know, it's a massive club. And mm. good players and I wanted to be part of what they were, what they wanted to do so that was probably the first time that I've ever said to myself right you go and live in Sheffield and you do not come back here mm. that's, what I, that, that, that's what I said to myself I thought yeah, like yeah. I can't come back because what, what I do is I'll come back on the weekend and I don't want to go back yeah. so I thought like what I needed to do when I was 17 I yeah. need to do it now you no know, it's time to change so I committed to it, and again the team was really good. Chris Wilder again, very, very, very good coach, very intense. I like quite similar to Joyce in terms mm-hmm. of like the training sessions. There's no easy sessions put mm-hmm. it that way. Everything's an absolute graft, which for me it works, um, and I think his record goes to show that in terms of getting stuff United to where he got them to. Um, it was I literally lived in the hotel at the corner of the ground and I was there for six six months. I think I only come home like two or three times in the six months. Mm.
3: Um,
2: after that six months of doing that, honestly, I come back home and I'm, anywhere I went, it was like, oh, I don't really want to go home now.
1: Yeah.
2: It was like... Maybe, that's, maybe that's
1: what you needed. You needed that little spell yeah. just to...
2: That's, yeah, yeah. Just
1: to get but out But when I system. done that,
2: what what I done was I, I committed to everything, so I lived right. Don't get me wrong, I went out, but I went out mm. the right times and it was more as a squad going out. It wasn't like I was going out even saying to my mates around there like I'll oh, come up to Sheffield or we'll go out we'll go to London it was nothing like that it was mm. literally like you know half the time it was the, the captive skipper mm. Billy Sharp he would sort it out for the boys because we were doing well we were in the top three all the time so you know if we done well the manager gave us that time to do what we wanted but one thing what I was never good at I was never good at having days off mm. so when I was at Sheffield United I committed and on my days off I used to go in and train with a youth team mm. Um I used to make sure that because I weren't getting as much game time, I played in pretty much all the reserve games that got put on. I just asked it, even if it was 45 minutes or half mm. an hour, can I just play? I just wanted to keep myself in and around the environment as much as possible um, and make sure that I'd done the things in the right way. And it's funny mm. that because that's what my new that's what my new project was, uh, just yeah, to make sure that I'd done it um, done it properly to give myself the best possible chance and. Again, like even some of the games I played there, I thought I'd done well. But mm-hmm. the team that they had, it was it was a very strong team. It was basically, I was there to push Kieran Freeman, who yeah. was the right wing right wing back. Very good player. I think he's at Portsmouth mm-hmm. now. Um, but basically what happened was after the six months, it was then a decision again that I had to make. Um, I could have stayed there to the end of the year. By that point, I was missing football
4: mm-hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. because I've not really played. So there was opportunity for me to go back to Bury. So I took that opportunity and went back to Bury. This time it was Chris Brass, who was the um, the manager, or caretaker manager, should I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he's the one who... It's funny, this, you know, have you ever seen the own goal where the player kicks it off his own nose? Yeah, brings, yeah, you know, yeah. That, yeah that, that, <laughs> that's him, yeah. But he's a good guy. He, he was brought up at Man City, so I've known him again since I was since I was mm. young. So I went back in there, played, ended up getting injured doing my knee, and then, obviously, a new manager come in. It was, um, oh, I forget, Lee Clark mm-hmm. from Bur- Birmingham. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: And my knee weren't even ready to play, to be fair. And it was, we, again, we were fighting relegation at this point. Um, not like we weren't in the, releg- in the bottom three or four, mm. but we were, you know what a league one's like. Stracking. You can yeah, yeah. you can win three games and be top of the league from being yeah. bottom of the league. It's crazy. So he ended up saying to me that I needed to play in a game. And... What I got told from the surgeon and from um, the people at the the doctors, or the hospital, sorry, was you can't play on this till the the end of the year. But I had no choice because I had no contract at the end Mm. of the year. So it was one of them where I'm going to have to take the risk. So I played in the game. We played against Rochdale. Played really well. We Mm. secured promotion. I think I trained once for probably about four or five months I didn't train. No, not four or five, but probably about three to four months didn't train. And then literally, I trained one day and played full 90 minutes. Probably yeah. Honestly, probably the best I played as well because I knew what the circumstances were. I knew that I needed to impress. So we, we got um safe and the week later, um, he said to me, that, that was on a Tuesday night and on a Saturday, he said, I need you to play again. And I just refused and I just said like, no, I'm not playing.
4: Yeah. He was
2: like, but I need you to play. I said, no, I get what you're saying, but look at my, my knee was massive. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying to him like, look at my knee. And you have to remember as yeah. well in the lower leagues, you, there's no security. So, if I go and break my leg, you get a what, a twenty grand pay up from the PFA. Mm. So realistically, I'm thinking to myself, if I've got to retire after this, if I do really bad damage to it, then I'm fucked. So mm. I thought like I'm not taking it. So yeah, I stood, I stood my ground. Uh, we all had meetings on the Sunday after that game, so the day after, and he basically just said like, I, I, I want to keep you on, because for months he was saying to me, get your agent to call me, let's sort out a contract. Mm. Uh, really want you to be here um, and whatnot. I find you um, I think you're going to be a big part of this project for what I want to do next year so I was like sweet never answered the phone and then yeah as I say I ended up um, sitting down with him on the Sunday and he just said to me that I can't sign a player for next year who's injured so I said like Mm. that's fine I respect your decision no problem Mm. but a little bit um, pissed off about it to be fair because realistically, like, you know, you're asking me to play, I'm putting pretty much my body on the line here. Yeah, yeah. Even though I'm not even hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? So no, it was more like of a thank you very much kind of yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, I ended up leaving there, but it was funny <laughs> because straight after I come out of that meeting, it's not even a lie this.
3: Mm. I remember
2: getting to the gates, but it's uh we used to train at City's old training ground at Carrington next to United. I, as soon as I pulled out the gate, I thought like, oh, not like fuck this place because I-, I liked it Barry. that was like my best football that I played to be fair and um, as soon as I turned onto the road my phone started ringing and it was Keith Hill at Rochdale
1: Yeah, yeah. so he
2: basically said to me like um, what are you doing next year and I just said oh well I've just come out of a meeting and he's um, he's told me that he's not keeping me because I'm injured and his words were is he fucking stupid they were his mm-hmm. words and I just said oh I don't know so he just said well what, what are you going to do I said, I don't know. so I'm just going to go on holiday and we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. So he said to me, went, fuck that. Tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, be in my office and just put the phone down. <laughs> so I was just like, didn't, you know what? am didn't have, have a choice. And... <laughs> no, I didn't really have a choice. So I thought, you know, I'd rather get something sorted now than mm. leave yeah. everything. And again, it was close to home. I didn't really want to, I'll be honest, I didn't really want to move away from home again because I was getting to kind of that age where mm. I don't know if you can tell, but the same shit keeps happening. Yeah, it's yeah. Six, mm. six yeah, month yeah. contracts, there's no... Secure. Yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's there's nothing there. So yeah, so I, I went the next day. He said to me that he liked me the play. Obviously, I played very good in the game on the Tuesday when we played him. And he just said, um, I want to give you a contract here for next year. So I just thought, you know what? First person that comes to me, let's just let's just sign it. Mm. So signed that contract there and then it was funny again because I was in at Rochdale, Keith Hill. Um I don't know if you know but Keith and David Flipcoffrey was my first coach at Berry.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Keith Hill was always the first team manager and Flickers was always his assistant, so the right. the same people. Yeah, yeah And man. them two were, and the best mates as well. So when it was um when I went in there, he was he was good with me and he pushed me and stuff again. He was like my dad, he was always on top of me, like over the top, but hmm. he knew he had to be to get the best out of me. Because I can believe me, I can switch off like that. And uh yeah, I was playing all the time. Then all of a sudden, I just got a um, a text message one morning saying that no, wait, no, actually, it b- was before the text message. It was, you know, when the transfer lines about to close.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So he just brought me in. I played all the pre-season friendly games. I played all the games up to the date where the contract, uh, the, the deadline was going to close. Played the game on the Saturday. On the Monday, went into training. No, sorry, on the Sunday, went into training because we had a game on the Tuesday, mm-hmm. and full game on a Saturday and then on the Sunday I got a phone call from Brian Barry Murphy and that was we used to call him BBM he's at Man City now I think he's the under 21s coach mm-hmm. I got a phone call from him saying scout um, them what I take you on loan and the gaffers told me to tell you that he's happy for you to go so my first thought was you can tell him to fuck off because yeah. I'm not going alone anywhere. I said I'm at home. I'm getting paid my money. I said I'll just happily just feel It is what it is. But I've always said to myself that year. I said it to Chris, who was Danny's brother, my agent. I said if the same shit happens this year, I'm I'm done. Like mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not continuing with it because it was not like weren't getting too much. It was I just wanted to change. Yeah. It was getting to that yeah. point. Not like I fell out of love with the game or anything like that. It was just like I I don't I can't be asked with it anymore. It's just the same stuff, and I didn't really see myself going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so I, I didn't go to Cheltenham. I just ended up um, staying there. Then I, about two weeks later, I got a message saying, do not come back until further notice. So I was like, right, that's fine, no problem. Because it was for a text, fair play to who the manager was now at Rochdale, Jim uh, McNulty. Mm. He was one of the centre rounds when I was there and he was the vice captain. or club. He was the club captain, but he was the vice captain to Ian Henderson, the striker. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call from him saying, like, where have you been? I said, like, I've been told not to come in. And he's like, well, that's not what these are telling us in here. They're telling us that you're not just not coming in. Mm. And I was like, no, I said, I've got messages on my phone. He said, got the messages, send them through to me. So I sent them through because he was kind of like our PFA rep for the club as well. Yeah. So it was literally the, the last day. Now, what he said to me was, call this number ASAP and tell him everything what's happened mm. and um, just take it from there. So I didn't even know what was going on. So from what he told me, if I would have left that one more day, they would have been able to sack me because I've not been going into football because it was through
1: a text message. I didn't Man, know like all that. All this stuff is like things that we'd never, we'd never no, know no, no. And it goes on. And like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Hon- honestly, yeah. So again, it was no disrespect to them or anything like that. Like it, I was, mm. I was fine with it, but I spoke to the PFA. Um, it got to a point where they said that I can go in and train, that I train with the youth team. It worked out that I couldn't do that because the youth team train on AstroTurf, and I've got a letter from. I've got bad knees mm. um, so I've got a letter to let say that I can't train on um, the 4G or 3G or pictures. pitches um, so I basically I just got told to, to stay at home and I just basically got paid and just stayed at home so I was at home for about 3-4 months
4: mm.
2: nothing ever happened um, I got told to keep fit because I can be called back on uh, upon at any time which I'll be honest with you I didn't take any notice to at all um, mm. and it was weird one day I literally just got a message saying being training on Monday. At this yeah. point I looked at myself and I thought, shit. <laughs> because I've not done anything. I was unfit as anything. Mm. I still got myself ticked over a little bit, but not like what I needed to be doing. In all fairness, I went back in and they tried to push me and I was able to do everything. I just weren't yeah. where I needed to be. It felt like I'd done well. I was in there for two weeks. I even had like some of the boys and I know oh, it's doesn't mean anything, but they were saying like, you know, like you're doing really well. Just keep doing what mm. you're doing, because they could see what they were doing to me. They were just trying to mentally fuck with me. Yeah. And then two weeks later, I just he called me into his office and just said, you know, you can go home now and you know have a good summer. And I wish you all the best for the future. That was pretty much mm. it. So I left there, and then that was when I called it. Um, I called it a day.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, mm. and then that's when I kind of went on the um back onto the whole depressed again. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, that's been again, tough, not it? You've been yeah, them, football your whole life. It was a year and a half I'd done again, like a year and a half of just like going out Friday, Saturday, mm. Sunday. I'll be honest, I was I was fucking falling asleep in pubs and everything. Mm. Like mm. That's, I was I, I remember I was I was asleep throughout the day and awake all night, that was my life for mm. for like a year. Um which like I don't I don't feel sorry for myself or anything but at the same time I didn't know any difference you know what I mean I didn't mm. know what what was what I think the problem for me was it was I didn't know what to do next mm. uh, at this point I didn't even finish my coaching badges mm. because we we obviously when we were at United and we done our we were um, we were going through like our level 2 mm. but I never completed it or anything like that so it was like can't go into coaching and it was weird again. A year later, I got a phone call from a lady called Anne Wiley, very good lady by the way. Um, she was nothing but nice to me throughout my whole career. I always kept in he was another one to be fair who kept in touch with me throughout mm. my career. Uh, she was like the first team player liaison woman. Um, she just messaged me saying, like, what are you doing? I've not seen your name around for a while. And I just said to her, like, I'm not doing anything at all. Mm. So I'm pretty much just going out all the time. And she just said to me, Why don't you come in and see me at Carrington? I didn't want to because I felt more embarrassed, if that makes yeah. sense, because it was like, what's everyone going to say? And I was, yeah. I'll be honest, I was overweight again. It was, Reese doesn't play football anymore. Like, are people going to buzz off me? Are they going to yeah. respect that? I don't I don't know. So I felt like a little bit like I didn't, didn't want to go in. I remember pulling up and Scott McCominay was at the door and I was in the car and I was thinking, fuck that, nah, I'm not getting out of the car. I'm going to have to wait till he goes inside. And it was weird because yeah. he spotted me and he came over to me and he's like, oh, what's happening? And he he just treated me like nothing's ever happened. So he was just mm-hmm. like, oh, so like obviously, because we we used to play a lot of um, like uh, Fortnite and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like he come over, he was like, oh, don't. I, I was honest. He said to me like, why do you look so like nervous?
1: And I yeah, said, to yeah. like, I
2: don't really, I don't really want to be here. It's like and it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. He was like, embarrassed about what? He's like, come on, you know this place. It's a family. and yeah. yeah, like he he took me straight upstairs to her. And then from that point, it was it was all cool. But it was funny because. That was then when she took me into um Warren Joyce. Mm. And it was funny because uh Joyce, he said to me, uh he was there for a couple of months and then he ended up getting sacked. Uh but he basically said, um, he took me downstairs, so I come and need to have a chat with you. And this is mm. when I stopped playing. So we went back down to the same spot and he went, Do you remember this do you remember this spot? Do you remember this moment? and I was looking at him thinking I know exactly what he's what he's going to say and I was thinking I don't really want to say anything so he went you remember it don't you and he went because I do he went do you remember 17 years old he went what did I say to you
3: <laughs> and
2: I said to him I said ah I said yeah I said you were right I said you said I'm going to either do this the easy way or I'm going to do it the hard way and he he went for everything with me like he did when I was 17 he said now you had everything so and we, we had a laugh about it do you know what I mean he were not like trying to buzz off me but he was right, do you know what I mean? I was wrong. He was right. Mm. He was just—he just—he had my best interest. It's simple as that. And uh, yeah, so we had a little laugh about it, and then went back up to Anne, and it was just like, you know, what do you think about coaching? Mm. My ego was not a chance, and it was her who had to say it to me. She said, "Right, stop being so full of yourself. Mm. You don't play football anymore, mm. right? You don't play for Man United anymore. This is what I needed to hear. You don't play for Man United anymore." you don't play for England anymore, you don't play for Watford, you don't play for Sheffield United, she was like, at the minute, you're, you're kind of like a nothing at the minute, but you've got so much to give, because you could see straight away, I was very good like, with mentoring, she thought it would be something I would be good at, but she said to me, what, what do you think about the coaching? So I was like, you know what, because you're asking me to do it, I'll do it for you. That's what I said to her. So she was like, right, go into it and see how you like it. Now, Started going in United. Um, I was working between like the foundation phase or so, like the under. 11, I was working between the 11s and 12s.
4: Mm. And
2: honestly, after my first week of being in there, you have to remember I was fat as anything. I was overweight. Mm. Now, after a couple of days, all these kids now know who I ask who, who I asked who I, um, who I am. Sorry. Mm. And um, that was when it hit me, and I thought to myself, like, what have I been doing over this last year and a half? Then mm. I started thinking back to you know what, when I was 21, 22, I should have called it a day, mm. this is what I should have been doing, so this is literally now what I feel like I've, I've been put on earth to do, if that makes mm. sense, Uh so yeah, I went in there, I enjoyed it, I was there for four years, I just never really felt like anything was going to come in terms of pushing up or maybe that wanted, being wanted there, uh, to be yeah. fair, so uh went to Morecambe went to Morecambe, leading the under fifteens and sixteens. Um, with hopefully the view at some point to hopefully take the under eighteens. But again, nothing to nothing towards Morecambe. You know, the mm. difference in terms of how they operated. I just don't feel like it was um on uh, is, that, is that better by the way with that?
1: Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, all good.
2: All good. Uh, I just thought like the way it was operated there, I just didn't feel that it was um it was me, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, mm-hmm. it was one of them where it was, it was like, nah, do it for a year, and then we'll look at something else. Uh, but it was funny because when I went back to United after like a month or two, I started doing a lot of um, my own education in terms of football because I was only used to one thing, and it was me coming through United, me playing mm-hmm. professionally, mm-hmm. then me going back to Man United.
1: Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm.
2: straight away, I'm looking at these kids, and I'm like, wow, wow, wow. Mm. You know what I mean was, was I this good when I was that age? Was I like this? Was I like this? Now when I went to Morecambe, the the drop, I was just like, no way, it can't be, it can't be this much. And then when I went to Morecambe on my days off, um, on a Monday and a Wednesday, I started doing Oldham's developments mm. because I thought it was more coaching for me, more minutes on the pitch. Um, it's around the corner from my house, mm. so I thought like, why not do it? And that was then when I saw the standard again, and it was like mm. United. when really you got Morecambe, and it was like just going low. And I thought, yeah, line, yeah. it's not, it's not great. And then I thought to myself, it was never that low when when we were younger. And yeah. I know things have happened, like you know, it's COVID, so kids have missed out on football for two years mm. or however long it was. I know it's a completely different generation to social media and what they can have access to. Mm. But for me, like I just genuinely believe that. There's a, I feel like. There's a lot of places out there trying. Well, I think it's in yeah. and our next generation of players personally.
1: Mm. When you're um, with your coaching, of you went through all those clubs and you united Morkum, Oldham, all that, all that little bits and bobs. Obviously, you you started your own. Is it called the right right way? Is that correct? Yeah, that yeah, right? yeah. Was that something you're obviously involved with professional clubs and then you thought, right, you know what, I need to like you're saying the levels, the standards. I need to do my own thing so I can. Implement what I want to see and do for these youngsters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I feel like one thing that I felt when I was in um, the environments was half the time I, I just feel like you're a you're a mannequin, or they want you mm. to be a mannequin, or they want you mm. to be like a yes man. And I'm mm. like, I'm not I'm not a yes man. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I would never disrespect somebody, but I'd always challenge somebody. And mm. my first part of that is to challenge them to better the environment. I don't put myself first. It's to put the kids first. So if it's something that could better the kids, I don't feel like why there's a problem me asking or challenging in terms of why can't we do it or you know can we do this or you know like just maybe being a bit annoying. I don't know. Mm. Um, So I just feel like majority of the places it's more just being a mannequin, and then obviously you've got the people who are in power and control who then know they have they make the decisions at the end of the day. So it's not that I can't work with people because I'm very good at working with people. I just genuinely believe that I have a lot of knowledge of the game of football due to you know my upbringing, my own mm. experiences, the things that I've witnessed, mm. and I feel like I've got a lot a lot of knowledge to have demands and to basically you know educate the uh, our new generation of players. So mm. that was one of my big reasons for doing it. But another the other big reason was obviously the standard and kind of that bridge. Mm. Um, you don't tend to see it. Um, anywhere to be fair, and this isn't aimed at any of the places that I've been at, but you know, I don't remember. I I can't even remember seeing, uh, you know, a kid from a YDP level under-13s grassroots team going up to under-16s be signed to a mm. Cat One club. I've never mm-hmm. seen it. Now, for me, there's a problem with that, like because you know, in, in Manchester, you know, some of these streetwise boys, there's some very, very, very good players.
4: Yeah, definitely.
2: And for me, I just don't believe that they they get the right training. You know, Mm. if you want to be a professional footballer and you want to get into one of them environments, you know, training once a week for an hour, that's not, it's not enough. We're already behind Mm -hmm. uh, where we're trying to get to. So, you know, for me, you've got to kind of try and be on par, if not more than what's going on with the academies. At the same time, you still got to understand that they need the rest and
4: Mm.
2: you still want them to be kids as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was kind of like my upbringing, like, you know, I didn't have the same upbringing as, as I'm the same as anybody else, but the average kid. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah. kid who can go to pies every week, the kid who can have sleepovers every week, I can't I can't do that stuff because you know, as I said before, we trained on a Saturday, played on a Sunday. Yeah. So straight away my weekends are taken up. So everything yeah. for me growing up was football, football, football.
0: Mm. Is there a specific age group you're working with at the moment in that academy? In mine? Yeah, yeah. That you're that you're targeting um, Yeah,
2: so I work more with the older players. So I work, at the minute, I I lead the 16s and 17s, I have a 16s and 17s mix. Um, I just believe it's an age group which I'm more powerful with on a personal Mm -hmm. um, level in terms of my demands um, or the demands of what they need to be able to go through. I feel like I've had it and I've had it by very good coaches when I was at Man United. Uh, As I said to Warren Joyce, my best manager Mm -hmm. that I've had and he... Every session, it was like an army camp. He literally yeah. used to mentally time breakers, which again, I genuinely believe some of these kids need at times yeah. to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. show that they can push, you know, so that um, that they're not weak yeah. upstairs. Um, but yeah, as I say, one thing that we do with what we do, we always work off topics. Um, I think it's important that we've got, a, especially the younger age group, we've it, everything's got to be the basics drilled into them. Um, so. You know, it's you know, passing the ball five yards, passing the ball 10 yards, mm-hmm. you know, manipulating the ball with both feet, you know, body shape on receiving the ball, movement to receive, playing forward passing. You know, I say to the kids all the time, like, you know, when you cross a road and these cars coming, do you just walk into the road?
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: they'll be like, no. I said, so, so why, when you receive a ball, do you not cut your shoulder?
4: Mm-hmm. You know, it's the
2: same thing. If you turn, there's a player there, it's a car crash. Yeah, yeah. But again, I don't blame the players because this is obviously what they've been getting at a young age. Um, I'm building up to where they're at. So even like, it can be frustrating at times. I've got a lot better at it, believe me, over the years. I struggled when I first started coaching mm. because again, I had that ego of not understanding that I'm now the coach.
1: Yeah. It
2: was, I expected the players to be able to do it. And mm. obviously coming off the back of playing the game and not having loads of experience coaching, I found it difficult. I used to get annoyed really really quick. Mm. Uh, I had a few tellings off when I was doing my um my badges uh, due mm. to me walking off the pitch and stuff uh, only because I was getting very frustrated uh, mm. but again it's not an excuse you know what i mean yeah. it's uh, it's something that I understand now, but again yeah. i needed i just needed to be educated and um one of the uh, the guys who worked there uh, called neil um and I've known Neil because I've worked with him at united and, and at england um believe me he he told me about myself that I can, <laughs> I can assure you he, I won't mm. even hey, go over some of the stuff yeah. that he said to yeah. me but he uh, yeah he hammered the life out of me and what he <laughs> done was he hammered me and then done it when everyone else come in as well which I needed it mm. I needed mm. it in terms of I didn't know who I thought I was I mm. I, I apologised to everyone because I was in the wrong I was no better than anybody else and I didn't have to do it but I also got all that group back together and I, and I apologised to them and I told them on another day I'll come in and do another session for them so mm. Uh, I done, I, I um, yeah, I done, I done that, so,
1: yeah. Do you think um, on obviously you told us sort of why you got into coaching, but what, now you coach, do you think you're also doing it because maybe you had a really bad coach, or you're doing it because you had, for example, Joyce, you're going about Joyce and somebody that was you had a really good coach and you think, oh, I can learn little bits off them, or was yeah, just yeah, mm-hmm. something. Um, I'll be honest, I think the reason why I coach is because.
2: I'll be honest I love coaching I think mm-hmm. it's really good I work with a lot of kids and I do mentoring as well so it's not like anyone I don't charge anybody for it mm-hmm. it's um, it's a relationship of course that you have to build up with you know the player and the parents in terms of the trust and stuff like that um, I think it's always something that a lot of the stuff that I do within my coaching now especially the mentoring side it's a lot of stuff that I needed growing up so mm-hmm. where
4: mm-hmm.
2: I want to try and make that difference to make things a little bit easier for you know the next crop or the next person who who's trying to make that next step so yeah when I I, I say that sometimes people try and say well what about your brother you know Mm -hmm. and things like that like I don't blame my brother for anything what happened in my career because his pathway was completely different to my pathway so for me when I do the mentoring stuff I always believe that you need your close circle and then you Mm -hmm. need another circle which is right next to that close circle yeah. and in that little close circle you need you know your, your go-to's the people who you know you can trust mm. you know that kind of the mentor with me it kind of turns to big brother little brother it doesn't tend to be like me questioning them on how was your day what did you do it's mm. just like a normal conversation so I tend to do a lot of zooms mm. um with the boys and it's just sometimes it's not even football related sometimes it's just to show that you know someone that I'm here to speak here, I'm here yeah, to yeah. listen to you if you want to if you want to talk because again it's always things that I've needed, and sometimes you have to remember, it's, you don't find it comfortable going telling mum and dad and big brother and big sister mm-hmm. you know, or your mm-hmm. uncle or your auntie. Sometimes it's, I find it easy speaking to a stranger, to where yeah, yeah. Like now
1: mm-hmm.
2: I find it easy speaking, I'll be honest with you. Now, and yeah. A lot of that is obviously opening up to Chris when I was about 24, and I told him a couple of things which mm-hmm. I thought were big things, and it was like, why have you never said something like that? It's not even that big. But a lot of it is working with the kids because, you know, working with the kids, you know, they're vulnerable and, you know, you've got to look after them. You've got to show them that respect, that love and care. But at the same time, they open up to you, which makes it easier for you to open up to them. So yeah. the kids have helped me massively in terms of opening up and probably being able to be the person that I am today, to be fair. I think a, a lot of that comes through working with, you know, the new generation of players, whether that's professional academy players or, or grassroots players. Yeah. So, yeah, so the reason I coach is that I love coaching and I want to make a difference.
0: Yeah, no, I can really see your passion coming across since we've been speaking. You can really tell how yeah. much it means to you and how much you want to change. And like, if you want to, if you can make a, even one kid make a better footballing career, then that makes all the hard work worth it, not it?
2: Yeah, 100%. No. I, I, something that I've always noticed because even when you're in your environments, you are generated towards you. Everyone has the favourites and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's you, you. You can't help everyone. It's something that I'm. I'm an empath, so I tend to want to help every every single person, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I've only just come to realise that you know you can't. You can't do that. Yeah. Um. But like you said, there, if you can help one lad, like last year in my under sixteen team when I was um when I was coaching at the other environment, it was um I think it was six six lads who not that I gifted opportunity to they believed in the project and the stuff that I was mm-hmm. doing for them and they gave themselves the best possible chance they've done that themselves I was just a coach I, I I don't tend to like praise to be honest with you
4: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so I see it more as you know I'm the coach I'm putting things on but you've done the work you know mm-hmm. I find the bit that I'm doing I, I don't find it difficult
4: mm-hmm. that's
2: how I see it it's, for me it's I've got don't get me wrong. I've got to go home. I've got to do reports on them and and stuff, which I find sometimes difficult. Cause it's like, oh, should I say this should I say that? Uh, but then the other bit, obviously, is when you, you know when you're drawing down your training plans and whatnot. But you know, actually executing the stuff when you have it, I think that's I think it's easier
4: mm-hmm. uh,
2: doing the coaching with the boys. But again, it's I think the hard bit is you know, I can't hold your hand and I can't do it for you. You've got to mm-hmm. do it yourself. So last year, for example, there was a, a lad who's just finished school now, Lewis and. Unfortunately, he never got into a. He's not in a paid setup at the minute, but he's gone into Oldham because they're doing their their new first years and now B Tech players. Right. I think that's just down to the current situation with the club. Um, but at the minute he's supposed to be doing really well in terms of impressing the first team manager. So you know, I see that as you know, I've done my job I've, I've I've been able to help someone because the conversation I had with him and his his family at the start of it, it I don't believe that they believed in the stuff that I was saying about him. Because mm. sometimes I say to people, like, I can see something completely different to what you can see because you know I've played the game. I can see, mm-hmm. I can, I can see a decent footballer just by the way he passes the ball. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Or you know, by the way someone might run or to control it. You can, I, I don't know why I'm not like a psychic yeah, yeah, or anything, no. but I can just tell when someone's got something. Um, but now as you said there, for me, it's it's that the the passion is there, and with my environment, um, I want to be able to to make that difference and and become that bridge in terms of not the g- grassroots mentality and again mm. I've got nothing against grassroots whatsoever but for me grassroots is it might be you know the overweight kid or mm-hmm.
1: you know the one who it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah 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 yeah. you fair. might just
2: want to be there yeah to my front. but then if you yeah. want to take football serious, you are look in every grassroots team you'll have probably two three four players who have got the mindset and the you know, the technical ability and the mm-hmm. desire to go and push. But when you're surrounded by a 75% of grassroots mentality, they're reasonably persuaded to mm-hmm. fall into that bracket. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, they miss out. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just football. It's it's to the teach them everything what comes with it. You know, the discipline, you know, uh, turning up to training on time and, you know, trying to make every single training something because you go into academies, the, the easy bit is getting into the academy. The hard bit is staying in there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always somebody willing to or trying to take... Your your shirt, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of kids, yeah, who are yeah. trying to do that. So it's it's constant pressure all the time, and it's again, as like I said, it's it's maintaining a high level of performance and consistency. It has to be. Don't get me wrong; they're not going to sit there and say I need to be a ten out of ten every day. We're mm-hmm. not robots, you know. We're human beings, but you know, depending what level you go into, you've got to be executing up, up a certain degree mm-hmm. of an all round footballer. Especially yeah. your top clubs. If you're going to Man United or Man City, you've got to, you've now got to come with a, a whole bunch of things. Now mm. start dropping down the the ranks a little bit, which pretty much a lot of players, especially some of the older boys in my environment, like none of them will be going to a Man United or Man City. I've had mm. conversations with them parents as a whole, and I've I've said that. Now I'm I'm being honest and realistic. But you know, to get into some cat free environments, you don't have to have that full package. You've just mm. got to have the package to a, a, a decent degree mm-hmm. and that can get you in there because you have to remember they've got to kick start the career somewhere mm-hmm. um, and, and for our older players uh, under 17s we, um, we have a link up with a team called New Mills mm-hmm. uh, the coach Norts and Simon Heaton two good coaches really like Norts he's played he's played I'm not going to I think it's if, if I'm correct I think his goals are in thousands in semi-pro football
4: mm-hmm. if okay. I'm
2: correct and he's a very good coach, very demanding. Quite, he reminds me of myself a little bit. And for the project that I'm, that um, I've got in place, he fits perfect for what I'm trying to do with the, kind of the boys that I've missed out on mm-hmm. YTSs. So their next stage of football is going to be the men's game. Mm. So it was important for me to still keep an under seventeen, or not, not to still keep because I want to just start it, but to have an under 17s environment. Yeah. Um. Because you know if the if they're not if we're going to call it not good enough. Mm. Yeah, if you're not good enough to get into a, a professional youth team environment, what sense do they have now going playing against people like me on a weekend?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know I mean, it
2: doesn't right. work. So no. they kind of get that extra year uh, with us where we coach them and educate them on the men's game. Um, so what we tend to do is uh, we well when when they get to a level where we can see that they've got the consistency and the the feeling strong mentally, physically, uh, and emotionally, everything wheel and uh, we send them on like a like a work placement
4: mm-hmm.
2: kind of thing where they follow the project of new mills so they'll basically follow their training programme and follow all their home programmes uh, right. so they'll turn up to all the home games they'll sit in the change room before the game half time so they can, they can witness what goes on because you know, some of these boys think that I'm lying to them with some <laughs> of the stuff that goes on. And yeah, yeah. You know, the low, the lower down you go, the more it's a different world, isn't it? It's a different and world. I mm-hmm. believe me, I've seen it at League One level. And I thought to myself, like, wow, mm-hmm. is this really what goes on? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's it's, it's to give them the best possible chance. And from next September, well, I'll have the B up and running. So mm-hmm. again, that's kind of then another uh, education um, route that some of the boys can have, and it's to give them that experience of um, you know, living that life of a of a professional youth team player. Yeah. Um but of course education comes first. You know, if you're not grabbed for your work, you will not train, you will not play at any at any point. Because I'm massive on the education side now with as we spoke about before, I've not got any GCSEs apart from my options, which was e media and drama. i nice. A star in drama, I'm supposed to be in very good. <laughs> 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 so
3: yes,
2: yeah, so I think education is it is um it is massive. But I'm also not massive on that you have to have education to go and do something yeah, of course, yeah. well mm-hmm. in the future to be honest with you but i do think for uh, certain things education is especially english and maths it's uh i think it's i think it's big mm-hmm. yeah
0: no that's brilliant we've uh, i've learned so much from talking to you yeah. from tonight <laughs> just there you was listen- so much so brilliant. much more we just listened to and just really really enjoyed it and the, and the listeners will will love hearing that and it's but even a little bit inspirational, really, from all about the ups and downs and the stop starts to see where you are now, yeah. really, really passionate and thriving in something you're doing is, is great to see.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm loving what I'm doing at the at the minute. Um, again, as I say, it's uh, it's nothing against any of the other environments mm-hmm. out out in and around Manchester or away from yeah. Manchester when I speak about the stuff. But you know, I'm here to make a difference for for young boys and girls. Because mm-hmm. next year we will be starting with all of our girls stuff as well. I'm not saying that girls can't still play with the boys right now,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but I'm here to make a difference for, you know, for our next uh, generation of players who really want to take football serious. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, I think the plan and the project that I've got in in uh, in place, it's a uh, it's a it's a very good one. So now I'm looking I'm looking forward to to seeing what happens with it.
0: Yeah, no, we'll tag all the um all the socials for the for your coaching academy in the video and and down below so everyone can can check it out. And oh, we'll, perfect. yeah, it's um T-T-R-W underscore Manchester, isn't it? On the Instagram, I believe.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll tag we'll it in and, it. and and stick it underneath. But no, I'd like to no say, problem. yeah, thank you so much for coming on tonight, Reese. It's been no, you're been welcome, brilliant. Yeah, appreciate and, um, it very very much. Yeah, we'll keep in contact. And we'll keep we'll keep following the page, and thank you again. Thank you again for coming on.
2: Oh, perfect. I've got another Instagram as well. It's a private one though. So if any yeah. of you guys want to add it, feel free. It's our. It's not my name or anything. It's our Bizzle one nine one. And if you want to know where yeah. Bizzle comes from, that was uh that was Rio Ferdinand's nickname oh, for it? me. So it's, <laughs> always, it's always it's always stayed with me. Stuck there yeah. yeah. No worries. And I have to. No. I have to de- we have to delete our Instagram. I used to have two hundred and fifty thousand, but Fergie made us delete them. All. Ah. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to
1: if you well, listen to yeah. someone, he's probably the man to listen to. Isn't he?
2: Oh, 100 percent. But I think he might owe me some money now. What think I could have got yeah, a little bit of... yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, He could have got a blue tick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking.
0: Well, we got we got a nice little video to tag you in. So this one, so that'd be yeah. We just oh, that was the final question I want to ask you because it's a, it's um your goal you scored for you're your free kick. I meant not. <laughs> well, well you, I <laughs> it was Ronaldinho esque. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm not going to lie to you, right? The view you would have looked at it,
0: mm. was it from the kid in the in the crowd? No, I watched both of, yeah. Watch both of them. Watch watched both of them. Because it was an American fan, is it? And then there's the one on, I think the EFL have the official highlight. To be fair, your celebration no. looks like... You...
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. It looks <laughs> like, like, like that, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, right? The keeper, and this is the honest truth, right? The keeper was probably two or three yards from the penalty spot. mm Mm. So when I saw that, I thought, why not?
4: Mm.
2: And if you look at the EFL highlight of it, you see him trying to run. Yeah. You see him trying yeah. to run backwards. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I've, I, I've gone for it. I i nice. I, I've, I've been, I did go for it, and yeah. even in my interview, I said I didn't go. I said I didn't mean it because <laughs> I couldn't be asked at the back last. To be honest with you, from yeah, the
3: boys. Yeah. So I thought, <laughs> like that I didn't good. mean
2: it, but a goal's a goal, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Only only goal I ever scored
3: in the professional.
2: Uh, <laughs> I scored a couple. uh, I scored one for England as well. To be fair, that one was even worse. That free (laughs) kick. Honestly, it was a p-roller and just went Uh, in. That was on my uh, on my first game. That mm,
4: Uh, that
2: very good, good. very good. good thank you very much.
1: Appreciate it. No, you're welcome. No problem.